0: Name it is, the name of Jesus. Well, good morning to you from me. My name's uh, Chris Brockway. For those of you I don't know, I have the real joy of being involved in the leadership of the church here at Christ Church Baptist Church. Well, we've been through a long season, haven't we? Uh, a season of giving up. Uh, and in part, that, of course, is because it's been the season of Lent. If you join in with Lent, uh, don't worry, uh, the end is nearly in sight. But mostly we've been through a season of giving up because we've been forced to give up because of the pandemic that we've been journeying through. We've lost some of the things that we treasured the most, maybe some of the things that we took for granted this time last year. Well, maybe this year you've decided that you've sacrificed enough due to the COVID pandemic. So you've opted out of any kind of lent fast from chocolate or wine or social media or Netflix or whatever. Well, earlier on this week, I was listening to some mountain climbers lamenting on the radio and discovered that it's been the beginning of the mountain climbing season over recent weeks. And like everybody else, they've haven't g- had to give up their sport. COVID has put a stop to most of their activity, especially within the club setting. I heard how every year thousands of recreational climbers would normally climb a particular mountain in the Italian Alps around Easter time. And as they went, they would pass through various stations of the cross on the way until they got to the top where a crucifix stands. Well, the story is told of how one climber some years ago noticed this little trail that led off beyond the cross where most of the crowd were gathered. And so he thought through the rough thicket there, and to his surprise, he came across another shrine. It was a shrine that symbolized the empty tomb, but this shrine was neglected. Brambles and bush had grown up all around there. Almost everybody had taken the effort to go as far as the cross, but they'd stop there, never to discover the empty tomb. Well, if you were with us last weekend, you would have heard Kay speak brilliantly about Jesus being dead and buried. I thought it was great fun listening to Kay try and stop herself on that narrow theme from going beyond that narrow theme as we journey through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. She was trying hard to stop herself going on to speak about Jesus being alive and risen, speaking about Jesus, not just being dead and buried, but something more than that. And of course, the reason it was so difficult is because we know where the story ends. To stop at death is is not the end of the story because we know that Jesus triumphantly comes back to life. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. And we're going to turn to our scripture reading in a few moments. And this scripture reading is believed to be one of the earliest creedal statements of the church. And you'll find that the Apostle Paul, just like Kay last weekend, really wasn't content to, to stop with the events of Good Friday either. He, like Kay, is chomping at the bit to speak about Easter Sunday too. And I just wonder if sometimes we can be a little bit like those mountain climbers Climbing up the Alps, that we too can sometimes get stuck. We make it as far as the cross, but we neglect the empty tomb. Maybe sometimes it's a fair reflection of how our walk of faith sometimes looks. Many get to the cross of Good Friday and they remember the despair and the heartbreak, but perhaps some fail to move beyond the cross to the final and perhaps arguably the real message of Easter which of course can only be fully understood if we go from Friday, important as it is to stop there, through to Sunday to discover the empty tomb. Every Christmas we gather in amazement, don't we, that Jesus would leave the splendor of heaven and come to our little planet, that he would come to earth and experience life as a human being, fully God, yet fully human, God with skin on, we sometimes say. And then a few months later on Good Friday, as we will this coming Friday, in humble amazement, we remember the fact that Jesus would humble himself to die on a cross for the forgiveness of of our sins, that Jesus would take the punishment that we really deserved. But the story really comes to a climax on Easter Day, the greatest day in the whole of history. The climax really comes on Resurrection Sunday, the highest point, the ultimate point in Jesus' ministry. And then on Easter Sunday, we celebrate, of course we do. On Easter Sunday, we rejoice that Jesus rose from the dead. And in doing so, he put Satan in his proper place for the rest of eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever, Satan is in his proper place. And that's good news. You see, what the Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15 is that if Jesus had only come to earth, lived and died without resurrection then he would merely have been a visitor. He'd have been God on holiday, if you like, a nice gesture, but pretty hopeless. Well, let's see what Paul has to say as we read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 12, but keep your Bibles open. We'll come back to the text in a moment. It says this, "'But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead?' if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You see, Paul's point is pretty clear, isn't it? He's saying that if Jesus had died only or only died, he would merely have been just another religious teacher, another Buddha, another Muhammad. But Jesus didn't just come to earth, he didn't just die on a cross, he actually rose from the dead and as a consequence is alive still today. Let's read on from verse 15, it says, More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only we live this life, uh, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That's what we celebrate most about Easter, isn't it? That Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead. And that's why that first Easter Sunday was and still is the greatest day in the whole of history. In our scripture verses today, the Apostle Paul is getting very excited about Christianity because he's revealing what makes our faith so different to all the other world religions and isms and ologies that exist. As the old hymn says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever Dawkins may say. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walked with me and talked with me a long life's narrow way. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives because he lives within my heart. Well, if you've been a Christian for a while, then you'll have heard the Easter story so many times before. But I really hope that we'll never, ever tire of hearing and saying the words, He is risen. He is risen. I hope we'll never tire of speaking out that response. Hallelujah, he is risen indeed. I hope we'll never cease to be amazed, in fact, awestruck at the incredible fact that death could not hold the Lord of life. Death was utterly powerless against Jesus. And most of all, I really hope that we'll never, miss remembering the simple fact that Jesus is alive today. Jesus is not some dead, historic, antique relic of a saviour, but he's a living saviour. Jesus is alive. If there were no resurrection, then we ourselves could not be saved. And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments this morning. I want to share the implications of this mind-blowing truth that Jesus is alive. When we say he is risen, We don't just mean that at some moment in time, Jesus came back to life past tense, although that's true. But in reality, we mean that Jesus is alive past, present and future, today and tomorrow. Right now, at this very moment, Jesus is alive and he's present with us, even if we're scattered all over the place, engaging with this message on the Internet. You know, COVID has changed an awful lot of things, but it has not changed this one simple fact and truth, that Jesus is alive. You see, if Jesus is alive, then that truth changes everything. The Apostle Paul is fantastically blunt, isn't he, in verse 14 about all this. He he says this, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Well, here's a message to us today, isn't it? In short, Paul is saying there, If Jesus is not alive, then I'm wasting my breath talking to you this morning. You may as well switch off your TVs or swap channels and go and watch Rick Stein's India, which is currently on BBC Two. Please stay with me, don't go to BBC Two. But Paul is also saying here look, if Christ is not raised, then you may as well use use your computer, your device to do something much more beneficial like play Minecraft or Candy Crush. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in the message version of the Bible. I really love this. He says, if there is no resurrection then there's no living christ and let's face it if there's no resurrection for christ then everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors and so is everything that you've staked your life on that on not only that but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about god sheer fabrications if there is no resurrection That first Easter Sunday is the greatest day in the whole of history, because without the resurrection of Jesus, without Jesus triumphing over death, then this life is pretty hopeless and is being lived for little other reason than to be food for worms when we die. It's essentially what Paul is saying here in our text. So I wonder, what does it mean for you and for me that Jesus is risen? And I want to suggest four things this morning that we see in the resurrection, sorry to break with the Baptist principle of three things, but you get one free this morning. And the first thing we see is that there is love in the resurrection. In one John, John chapter four verse nine, it says this: "This is how, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him." We see this love, don't we, in a very painful way on the cross. We see the extent of God's love for us as we stop on Good Friday and we look at the cross of Jesus Christ as we remember that he died for us. God loves us so much that he gave the most precious gift that he could possibly give us in Jesus. But the story doesn't end there. The love of God not only sent Jesus to the cross, but the love of God also raised Jesus back to life again. The love of God didn't leave Jesus in the tomb and therefore leave us in a place of despair, but the love of God raised Jesus back to life so that, as John writes, we might live through him. You see, love hates death. Love struggles against death and struggles in favor of life. And in the resurrection of Jesus, love not only comes, overcomes death, but in fact, love tramples confidently all over death. If you want a rugby analogy, as we've come to the end of the Six Nations, love kicks death into touch. And this is a two-dimensional kind of love. It's a resurrection love that is expressed by God for us, but we express it back to God and we're able to express it to others. In other words, this resurrection love that we've received from God should overflow from us towards other people. John, again, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, says this, We know that we've passed from death to life. We can know we've made that journey because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So we can be sure that we're participating in this resurrection life of Jesus because it will spill into all spheres of our life. It will spill into all the other relationships that we have. We could say, I guess this morning, that the resurrection of Jesus is the umbrella under which we live the whole of our lives. The resurrection calls us to love one another as God has loved us. Well, what's the one thing that we've perhaps discovered most during the course of the last 12 months? Well, I suspect it's that we've discovered that we need love the most. The deepest longing of every single one of our hearts is to be loved and to be connected. And that's the first thing we find in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If you're somebody this morning who is searching for, who is striving for, who is dying to be loved, then can I encourage you this morning to come to the empty tomb. On Good Friday, go to the cross first, of course. See the love and the forgiveness that's written all over the face of God as his son dies on that cross. But let me encourage you, don't stay there forever. Come and meet the resurrected Jesus Christ, the God who is alive and who is arisen uh, uh, alive today so we can have relationship with him. And what you'll discover is a love that goes beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Point one, there's love in the resurrection. But the second thing we see is that there is life in the resurrection. You know, one of the privileges of being a church minister is that every now and again you get to conduct funerals. On Tuesday, we're going to be celebrating together the life of Arthur Tuffy. And of course, it will be a difficult day, but Sadness doesn't need to define the whole day on Tuesday because far from being a day of complete despair, in truth we have reason to hope, we have reason even to celebrate. The Christian hope of course is that death actually isn't the worst thing that could ever happen to us. When a person knows Jesus as their Lord and Saviour before they die, we're able to have this wonderful, wonderful celebration of the person's life, and we're able to celebrate their faith in God, believing that their life hasn't in fact ceased, but in truth has actually become even more glorious. But that is only possible because Jesus has been raised from the dead. There's life in the resurrection. You see, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, conducting funerals would be a very hopeless pursuit Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, without Jesus trying over death, then there would be no hope for us in life beyond the grave. If ever you've been to a humanist funeral, you'll know exactly what I mean. At a humanist funeral, you won't hear them speaking about hope beyond the grave. So all we have to celebrate, important as that is, is the the life that we've lived here on earth. But Paul says, no, don't stop there. There's something so much more that we can celebrate. Jesus did triumph over death, and therefore there is life even in death. Paul in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 to 5 says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism in, in death, in order that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in death like his. We will certainly, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. The very moment we put our faith in God through Jesus Christ, in that very moment, we're promised eternity. We're promised life after the grave. Jesus spoke about it as being a new birth, as being born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, again, the words of Paul say this, If anyone is in Christ, they are. They are. There's no debate. There's no question. If anyone is in Christ, then they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I wonder this morning, do you know that resurrection life which is possible in Jesus? You know, God offers that to us so freely. He offers us life and it's a life which is in all of its fullness. There's nothing drab. There's nothing boring. It's an abundant life that Jesus offers. And that's possible because of the resurrection. There is life in the resurrection. But thirdly, we see that there is hope in the resurrection. The fact that there's life in the resurrection leads us to this third point. Without life in the resurrection, there is no hope. But because there's life, there's a hope in the resurrection that can be found. I have this hope in life today only because Jesus rose from the dead. As another old hymn puts it, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can face uncertain days because he lives. Let's apply that to our context at the moment. I can live abundantly today, even in the midst of a pandemic, because Jesus lives and has given me hope for tomorrow. The resurrection gives us hope at so many levels. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for the rest of eternity. It's a hope that changes everything. Hope that even if things don't change and the very worst thing happens to us and that death comes to us, that really isn't the end. And that really isn't the worst thing in truth that could happen to us. There is more life even after death and even better life without sickness, without pain, without tears, without cancer, without dementia, without relational stresses and strains, without covid restrictions. If there's one thing that many people fear in life, it's the fear of death. We're afraid to die because it seems so final. We're afraid to die because it seems so horrible, so unavoidable. But in the resurrection of Jesus, I find hope. Hope for something greater. Hope for something better. Hope for something which is eternal. And that hope ought to affect the way that we live in the here and now before we die. There was a missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of Indians in a very remote part of the jungle, and they lived near this very large river, and this tribe was in urgent need of some medical attention. Does this sound familiar? There was a contagious disease that was ravaging the population. Tragically, people were dying daily. Now, the hospital was quite a long way away. It was across a river, but these Indians would simply not cross this river because they believed it was inhabited with evil spirits. To enter that water would mean that they would have a certain death. So a missionary came along and he explained, explained how he'd crossed the river and had come back unharmed. Now they weren't impressed. He then took them to the bank of the river and he placed his hand into the water. They still would not go into the water. He walked into the water up to his waist and he splashed his face with the water. But that still didn't matter. They were still afraid to enter the river. Finally, this missionary dove into the river and he swam beneath the surface until he emerged on the other side. He punched the air triumphant and uh, th- he'd entered the water and had escaped. And it was at this point that the Indians broke into a cheer and jumped in and followed him across the river. Well, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us with death. He's entered it. He's made it safely to the other side and he's punched the air triumphant that there is a way across. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't stay on the other side of the bank and just beckon us. No, he jumps back in and he swims to our side, ready to travel through that difficult journey with us. That's what it means that Jesus is alive. He's present with us as we face every challenge and difficulty. He will only ever lead us to the places where he's already gone before and has proven that he's going to take us through safely. So when our time comes to face death, maybe to cross the river to continue that metaphor, he's going to take us by the hand and he's going to swim with us safely to the other side. And I just wonder for you today, as we live through a pandemic, whether you need to know that hope. You see, this is the hope of Easter. Easter hope is not just wishful thinking but it's a certain reality. 1 Peter 1, chapter 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, because he triumphed over death. Paul says we can have this hope in life, but also in the life that is yet to come. There is hope in the resurrection. And here's your freebie this morning, my fourth point. There is power in the resurrection. 1 Corinthians, again, the words of the Apostle Paul, chapter 6, verse 14, tell us, By his power, by his power, God raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. I think Paul forgot to add a word at the end of that verse, and it's the word, wow, By his power, God raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. Wow, this is good news. You see, the really simple point this morning, I hope you've heard this now, that winds its way through each of the things I've talked about already, is that Jesus is alive, and that brings change and transformation. He's alive right now. He's walking beside us. He's with us wherever it is we're watching this broadcast from. He didn't just rise up from the dead and then take off instantly to heaven, never to come back again, but he's alive with us and he's promised us by the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit to be with us. Therefore, there is power in the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we will know that one day will raise us from the dead. What a hope for after on Tuesday that the power that raised Jesus from dead will be the very same power that is raising him into new eternal life with Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't we celebrate amongst the sadness on Tuesday? But that power too is not only there for us when we die, it's there for us in our daily lives too. And God's longing is that we would experience it more and more deeply in our lives as we experience God's power as he changes us and transforms us as he grows more of the fruit of our spirit in the fruit of the spirit in our lives we can know victory over those sins that we struggle with we can know hope we can know encouragement it might just even be possible that as God does a work in us he enables us by the power of his spirit to share this good news with other people so what's my prayer this morning very simple. My prayer is that you too would know the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, that you would know the love, the life and the hope of the resurrection, but the power of the resurrection too. That's the simple message of our faith and we should celebrate it daily that Jesus is alive There were once four friends who were talking about death and one of them said to the other three, look, when you're in your coffin and people are busy mourning you, what would you like to hear them say about you? Well, the first man said, I'd like them to say that I was a really fine doctor and I helped loads of people. The second man said, I'd like them to hear that I was a wonderful husband and a brilliant school teacher who made a huge difference in the lives of the children for tomorrow. The third man replied, I'd like to hear them say, look, he's moving. Well, I guess most of us can empathize with that last fellow. But here's something better that I'd like to say on the day when I'm lying in my casket. And these are the words of Jesus that he spoke to Martha after her brother Lazarus has died. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me will live. If Chris believes in me, then he will live. Even though he dies, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We can say that. We can say that if we've come to know and love Jesus Christ. This is the hope of the resurrection. This is the hope of Jesus conquering death. This is the hope that's at the very heart of Christianity. Jesus is alive today. I wonder, do you know him? Let's pray together for a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that in this week that lies ahead of us, we will have so many opportunities to stop and reflect on the death of Jesus. Yes, that's so important. We on Good Friday will have the opportunity to look at the pain and the sacrifice that was written all over Jesus' face. On Friday, we will grieve the loss of the perfect son of God who lived the perfect life. But Lord, too, on Easter Sunday, we will look at the empty tomb and we will shout, Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. And Lord, we thank you so much that the resurrection of Jesus brings us love and it brings us life, it brings us hope and it gives us power. Lord, some of us this morning really just need to know a touch of you by your spirit in our lives. Lord, would you minister to us just a a moment of stillness, And in this moment of stillness, I simply just want to invite you this morning, maybe just there's one thing from all my ramblings that just sticks out to you as being the now word of God in your life for today. Would you wrestle with that thought just for a moment with you, God? Maybe for some of us, it's about the now word of God is about saying, I choose you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, because I want to know this hope. Be still for a moment as you bring these things before God. Jesus is alive he is risen hallelujah he is risen indeed lord gather up all of our prayers in the name of Jesus we pray amen well, as we draw our time